This is Beyond the Bell Tower, where an elite group of North Carolina State University students give us a behind-the-scenes look at their steps to success and show us how they attain even their lofty goals. These students, who are in the top 10% of the country, are active in student support services at NC State, a nationally recognized program designed to provide support for low-income, first-generation college students. Nationally, this population has an 11% graduation rate within six years. The student support services students surpass that rate each year and go on to become doctors, dentists, accountants, and engineers. They work at Google, Apple, and the NCAA. They have earned PhDs in Ivy League colleges. These students go well beyond the bell tower to reach this level of success. Welcome back to Beyond the Bell Tower. My name is Ricky Dows, and I'm here today with Kiana Miller and Kier Way. Hi, guys. Hey, what's hey. up? Hey. <laughs> I'm so glad we finally got a chance to, like, finally record right, this episode. It's been a minute. This has been in the making for months now, let me tell <laughs> you. Um, the struggle is really real. Um, so, Kier, Kiana, um, why don't you guys introduce yourself to the audience? Ladies first. Thank you, thank you. All right, so I'm Kiana Miller. I'm a senior here at State. I'm originally from Austin, Texas, Longhorn forever, and I'm in animal science with a minor in creative writing. And I'm Kira Way, hail from the Queen City, Charlotte, North Carolina. <laughs> I'm a 2018 graduate of NC State, major in animal science, and I'm currently in my first year at NC State College of Veterinary Medicine. Awesome. Great news. Congratulations, by the way. Appreciate it. Kiana next. Awesome. Yeah. We out here. <laughs> we out here. Um, so, yeah, I kind of just wanted to talk with you guys today about, um, because you both are on that track that a lot of people at NC State would, like, aspire to be on, mm -hmm. um, kind of, you know, the veterinary school animal science road. And you guys are, like, two very accomplished people in this field, mm -hmm. um, especially as TRIO students. And so I kind of just want to start this episode by just kind of hearing a little bit more about your process, essentially, as a TRIO student and how you've gotten from where you were to where you are now. Okay. You want to go or you want you me to go? You can go first. All right. So, actually, I found out about TRIO my freshman year, but it wasn't until the spring semester. Um, I forgot the young lady's name, but I, she told me she was going to meet Sarah because she, like, always got snacks from her. And I was actually hungry that day. I was like, oh, yeah, I was like, oh, yeah I'm coming with you. I need, like, a little fruit snack or something. Yes. And so, yeah, I met Sarah. And, um, yeah, she's just been, like, open ever since then. And so, basically, like, through TRIO, um, I remember that spring semester, it was spring 2015, I think I had chemistry one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. I think that's intro to chemistry or something like that. It's been so long ago. And um, I needed a tutor really bad. And um, the tutor through, like, the school that they gave me or whatever, it, she wasn't really, like, beneficial to my learning style. And so Sarah was like, hey, we have a tutor here. Let me know, like, would this work for you and your teaching style and stuff like that. And so she hooked me up with a tutor. And ever since then, like, TRIO – that was kind of like the the catalyst for all the other things that TRIO has done for me in my life. And so basically, um, like one of the biggest perks of being in TRIO was that you get the early registration. So Sarah would sit me down and we would go through like the um, grade distributions of the class, look at the, um, 
what is it like grade my professor or something mm-hmm. like that? Yeah. yeah, we would look at those together and she would like help me like pick out my schedule and stuff like that. So Trio has been like very like pivotal in like why I can say I'm in like vet school now. Um, I oof, even when you were speaking, I had to think like who brought me into Trio. I think what happened is my freshman year in the spring, I was a tutor for UTC and the Universal Tutorial Center. And uh, Sarah found me and she was like, oh, like you're really good at what you do. I was an English um, tutor and I also did like speaking and communication. And um, she said, oh, do you want a tutor for TRIO? And I was like, TRIO, what's that? And she kind of just introduced me to the program. And I forget the lady's name who now works in the Career Center, um, but she was my coach. And from there, it just kind of took off. And I really like the program and, of course, the benefits. But I also like the people and the community. And now I'm the chair of the peer-to-peer mentor program. So I guess that's where it goes off. Um, so I have a couple of points here that I did want to touch on, okay. um, specifically when it comes to, like, grad school. You're in grad school. You're on your way to grad school. We mm-hmm. just don't put that good vibe already in the oh, yeah, she yeah. in there. Thank <laughs> you. You put it in the universe, you receive it back. Exactly. So um, it's about to be kind of like that time when people are starting to look into grad schools and yeah. looking into, like, the, the process. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of wanted to know, because as TRIO students, we're all, like, first-generation college students. Oh, definitely. So um, we are, none of us out here know what we're doing. That's true. <laughs> That's true. So it's like... How exactly did you like come to figure out what you were doing? And like for you, Kiana, like what is your process looking like now? Ooh, okay. It's a loaded question. <laughs> um, okay, so let me make sure I got the question completely. Yeah. How did I get here and what am I doing and how has that worked for me? Yeah. Is that what I'm getting? Yeah. Okay. So um, especially since I'm out of state, I was just kind of looking around the schools. I actually looked at like the U.S. um, top, it's a website, like top vet schools and NC State was third. And I applied basically to the top five and I got into some and I was like, all right, cool. And I never thought I'd be in North Carolina. And my mom was singing like such bad things about North Carolina. She was like, the sharks over there are really bad and like all this random stuff. And I was like, mom, like, let me just go visit. Let me go live my life. And it turned out to be like a mini Austin, um, great potential for like research technology and the people were cool. And I actually met the diversity director at uh, CVM and Dr. That's Kennedy. Scary. Yeah. So Dr. Kennedy is pretty much like the only black professor there pretty much. The goat. He, he Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He loves his <laughs> camelids and all that. And he gave me a tour of the school and I was like, this is it. I like this dude. I like these people. And I guess I want to say with that, how the process has been. Um, Freshman year was more focused on research and more of a focus on large animals. Because even though I come from like a country-ish state, I lived in the city. So I didn't really have access to the cows and the sheep and all those guys. So that was my first focus was getting hands on animals that I have never touched before. Um, then after doing research and realizing that really wasn't my thing, I was a little bored in like the four walls kind of setting. I focused on other animals and just kind of dabbling all over the place. And also I kept up with my people skills and I worked, uh, different odd jobs. Like I work right now, like at an ice cream job treat, if you ever want to visit by marbles. Um, (laughs) and I just kind of focused on me and focused on what I liked. And when I got time last summer, 
to actually start applying. I said, all right, you've been working for your entire life. You've been doing small animal, large animal research. You studied abroad in South Africa. Now it's time to actually put all that hard work into play. And so I did research on the schools that I liked and what um, their focus was. So I like exotics a lot, that's my thing. And I like public health and just wildlife in general. So that was kind of my criteria. I wanted a, or I'm applying to schools that have great exotic programs, are I can like finance that or somehow like pull out loans, it's not too expensive. And especially since I'm an out of state student, can I convert residency if I need to? And then my last one, which, could be a big deal or not. It just depends how the schools like it. Was their applicant pool for out-of-state people, like, good enough? Yeah. Like, would I have a good enough chance? And that's where I'm at. I've applied to all my schools. I still apply to Texas A&M because, you know, you got to apply for your home school. Because that to. tuition, <laughs> that tuition doesn't lie. Um, but uh, other than that, that's where I'm at. How much is the in-state tuition? Oh, gosh. It's like... 18 15 something like that yeah and what's crazy is like i mean i didn't even go see that school because i know what texas a&m yeah, exactly. looks like it's an hour away from my house but um my my friends who have gone like apparently all they're saying in their interviews are just we want texas people like that's what they keep saying like their out-of-state pool is really tiny and stuff and i was like you know you got a good shot if that's like what they want so i might as well apply there might as well yeah yeah um, so, Kier, on, mm -hmm. like, kind of the flip side of that story, it's just, like, you've been through that process, you're yeah. here now. What were the things that you learned, and then, like, looking, reflecting on it now, like, were there things that you'd wish you'd known beforehand? Are there things you would have done differently? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so in hindsight, one thing I would give any advice to anybody that wants to apply, not just vet school, med school, grad school, period, is... Hone on your communication skills because knowing how to talk to people and like a famous quote my dad will always say, it's not what you know, it's who you know, that can get you a long way. And so basically like, um, of course, like when you apply to vet school, you have to have so many of like, they're called veterinary hours and that's hours that are acquired while working at some type of experience where a vet is present. So that could be a hospital. It could be like form calls with the veterinarian. It could be research. Yada, yada. It just has to be in the presence of a veterinarian. And so it's good to keep those type of relationships intact even years after. Because you can have experience like Keanu said your freshman year, but you still may want that letter of recommendation three, four years down the road. So it's still good to like keep in contact with those same people. Yeah, keep those relationships, maintain those relationships. Yeah, exactly. And I just keep it like superficial. I actually get to know these people because they're real life humans. And, and they don't, I feel like from my experience, they don't want to just feel like you're, you just want a letter of recommendation from them. They actually want to know like who you are, like what you want to bring to this field. Like actually want to see your passion. Mm -hmm. And so, um, also I think you said, um, something I would do differently. Yeah. Um, I wish, so a lot of people that I can say in vet school, they came from a two parent home where like both parents were veterinarians. So like all their whole life, like, I guess they probably, probably have thousands of hours, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But so like I like my freshman year, I came in, I had no veterinary experience. I had no real like animal experience. Like I did some volunteer work at shelters and stuff like that, 4-H. But these people already had thousands. Of, like if they wanted to, they could apply then. You know what I'm saying? And so like I wish I would, t like any advice I would get to somebody applying, like well, wanting to apply as a freshman is like start getting hours early. Like even though you 15, 16 you can start working at a veterinary hospital and it may be like 
your tasks may be like restricted to like kennel work, like cleaning up at the animals, but that's still like it's levels to it. And I'm saying I'm sure everybody that's in vet school, I want to go to vet school has had to do that in their life. I know I had to clean up tons of poop in my life. <laughs> so it's just like one of those stages you just have to go through. But start early because everything you do with all the animals can be put on your VimCast application. Oh, and it's bad because like I can say, especially for animal science makers, it's like this crabs in a barrel type feeling. Like, especially for me coming in with no experience, it's like everybody's always constantly comparing. Like, yo, I had all these hours. I like yeah. my parents do this, my parents do that. It's like for me, I was just like, whoa. Like, I'm, I remember calling my mom, like, yo, like, I feel like behind because I have no veterinary hours. So she was like, well, this summer, you know what I'm saying? It's time to grind, like, just apply to hospitals, stuff like that. So I actually worked at like a Banfield and a like Pet Smart combo. Mm-hmm. So I got some animal hours and veterinary hours at the same time. So, like, if you want, like, it's opportunities out there for anybody if you look for them in the right places. Now, something that I heard you guys kind of talking about between mm-hmm. the both of you was just like getting that animal experience. Yeah. Um, with specific kind of animals, whether that's like in a kennel or a yeah. pet smart. Kiana, you were saying something about like you love wildlife. Mm-hmm. Um, being on this campus, you hear a lot about like the animal science majors and like their experiences and what kind of mm-hmm. like fields they try to go into. And so I'm just out of like curiosity wondering, um, what exactly pushed you to choose like the are you do you have a um bachelor? Yeah, so in animal I'm actually science? yeah, I have a, a bachelor yeah, bachelor okay. in animal science, yeah. Because there's also a zoology major here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I know zoology uh, majors who are, you know, working also in wildlife or working in zoos mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. So knowing how you make that decision of, like, which field you're going into. Oh, I made that decision easy. I look at the the degree <laughs> requirements. Uh, zoology has a lot more math classes and, mm-hmm. like, extra classes than animal <laughs> science that vet schools don't require as prerequisites. So to me, it seemed like it was like more work I would have to put in for the same degree. And on top of that, like like animal science degree is teetered, like it's targeted directly, like synonymous to the requirements that the vet school has. So by completing your animal science degree here, you pretty much complete all the prerequisites. You don't have to take any extra classes. So that was my, what I don't know about for you, but. Um, so I completely agree. Uh, my path was slightly different, I guess, on choosing animal science because I I already knew that I wanted to do something with animals, but there's so many different paths for it. Like there are even like people who got like a music major and they took a few extra classes and they still made it into vet school. Uh-huh. A lot of business people will do that sometimes. Um, so I was in between zoology, animal science, biology, and biochemistry because all of those kind of hit like the required um classes that you need but for me what I literally did is I googled the diff- the definition between both zoology and animal science and zoology is dealing with just mammals dealing with just the biology of us and then animal science what's different is it's more on like the animals but more geared towards like livestock and production, production. of them yep. and so I chose animal science even though I'm not like too keen on animal production just because I thought it would be more of a challenge and I liked that it was more synonymous with what I wanted to do. I think I pronounced that word correctly. Yeah. But um, (laughs) yeah, so that's why I chose animal science and I know a lot of people that we went through Dr. Flowers' class and as yeah, 150. That's yep. your first weed that's out class. Yeah. And or you have the other lady. I don't know what her name is. But so for that class, um, he wasn't the easy way out if you didn't have flowers, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like 
that class was definitely the first realization that like some people are in it for the long run and then there are people that just like oh i just really like animals you know yeah and no that literally was it because a good 50 percent of the class dropped out after that like i had friends and by the end of the class they were like actually i want to be a nurse or like something completely (laughs) different i was like yo like in the beginning we said we were gonna make it because like they joke around like you think they're joking when they say, like, oh, like, every year, like, 50% gets cut. And it's not even just, like, they leave animal science. It'll be like, oh, I don't want to be a vet anymore. I'd rather yeah. do, like, so the, true. yeah, graduation, or not graduation, sorry, graduate, like, nutrition, repro, immunology, toxicology, whatever. Um, but, yeah, you just have to stick with it, and you really have to figure out in that first year, no pressure, is this what I want to do? That's true. And the best way to do that is definitely to get some hours somewhere. Um, but I'd also recommend getting research hours as well, because with research, you can figure out, A, do I like research more? Because, I mean, there are vets that help with research, like the Duke lab over there. They deal with so much research and they have vets yeah. who like make the call of if is this humane or not? Can we continue this experiment for whatever, be it cosmetology, whatever? But um, definitely dabbling in a lot of stuff your first year, but at the same time realizing your classes are going to be different than what they were in high school. So you need to also make that a priority. And if that means for you, maybe just doing one club, like I started with three. I did the animal science club, and then I did the pre-vet club, and then I did the zoo club. And for like a hot second, (laughs) I was in the companion animal club. And I was like, let me just, I, I just did like the first week, the free pizza. Let me just see what these clubs are about. <laughs> and I cut most of them. And the one I actually cut, no tea, no shade or anything. The first club I cut was the pre-vet club. And the reason I cut that club is because I felt like in there, there was too much competition. Um, I feel like this is a weakness in the vet community, or I guess the undergrad vet community, I should say, is we're not too much of a family and we need to get to that point. Because in that club, especially during like applying time, people are at each other's throats and it's a lot of my horse is bigger than your horse. And I knew as a freshman, if I could cut the tension with a butter knife, like I shouldn't, I shouldn't be there. So that was the first right environment. Yeah. I was like, I need positivity if I'm going to keep sticking this out because I mean, one of the things vets deal with, I mean, we're basically playing God as people in medicine. So a lot of things that we deal with, unfortunately in the future is depression and stuff where we just don't feel like we can help each other out. And we need that more in the community. And I felt like, you know what, I need more uplifting communities. So I stuck with, the zoology club my first year and I dabbled with the animal science club until club day things went haywire with the large animals but (laughs) that's another story for another day so yeah I want to pick up on what Kiana said because my freshman year I was in a couple clubs um I was in Manars it's not here anymore but it's like minorities in in African Americans and like natural resources and related sciences or something like that and basically it was only for minorities and those that pretty much wanted some type of profession related to like agriculture or just animals period or the environment. And a lot of people in that club were just like me, black people that wanted a profession, I wanted to be a veterinarian. And so actually after that year, my sophomore year I crossed into a fraternity and I cut off all other clubs because that's kind of like a full-time job by itself in addition to school. 
And like Dr. Trevetti told me, she was my academic advisor. Um, and she was our like course coordinator for mm-hmm. study abroad in South Africa. She was like, yeah, honestly, like do school work and have one club that you're dedicated to full time because anything more than that, like you can't be fully committed to multiple things. Like mm-hmm. already mm-hmm. then you kind of like spreading yourself thin between mm-hmm. all those. And also to piggyback, not trying to go off on a tangent, but what she said about getting research, I did research, did large animal, did ruminants and camels mm-hmm. with Dr. Kennedy and I did exotics, and that's actually what my focus area is in exotics. And like, it's good because you want to know. It's so many different areas, and um, yeah, so many different areas in veterinary medicine. So it's good to try all those areas in undergrad because you have to declare once you invest. So it's good to already have some type of inclination of like what area you want to work in. Oh, um, one thing I just thought about. Um, there are two awesome camps that I mean, if you're hearing this now. And you're not, I guess, still in high school. I'm sorry. But there are two amazing <laughs> clubs that um, you should know about or you should tell someone who's interested in animal science or just like vet stuff or yeah. agriculture, period. Um, so Dr. Pickworth runs the Livestock Science Camp, and it deals with a lot of things. It deals with animals. And I was a counselor, so I know this. But we have a field trip that we go to to different farms around North Carolina, and we talk talk about like why do they raise sheep like this like for example we went to one farm where they actually raise cows and sows in the same pasture and they kind of like mm-hmm. work off each other which is completely different than other places yeah. we go to all the units um the educa- educational units for those of y'all who don't know where like the animals are and we also talk to a lot of people in the agricultural business so if you want to just learn about like agriculture in general and want to have some animal dabbling and hands-on experience that's a good um camp it's around july june and then the other one is the vet pack camp that one is pretty much strictly if you're intent on being a um yeah vet student but that one's also really good hands-on a lot of great professors a lot of good counselors and you get to meet dr t and you just get to do everything you um get to see the life of a vet and i think this kind of experience definitely definitely in the beginning is very very important so you can start like weeding out what you don't like and it's okay if your path deviates from what you thought it was originally going to be so many people deviate and sometimes it's something small it's like oh i don't like horses anymore i actually like this animal like that's totally fine don't be scared of the competition just you do you yep that's always going to be great advice no matter what field you're in just like comparison is the killer of dreams guys like Mm -hmm. don't even worry about competition like that i mean healthy competition is fine but you know yeah and it's good to have like a buddy or somebody out pretty much on equal levels to like like balance each other like have that competitive spirit it's always good like you said in healthy moderations yeah yeah but definitely find your group yeah like it took me a while to find my group of people where i was like all right like They want to do this like I do, but it's okay that we want to do the same thing or like slightly different thing or someone has more experience than I do. Like, it's perfectly fine. Y'all help each other in class. And I mean, with the animal science like group itself, like you're going to see a lot of them in class. So you need to start making friends Mm -hmm. that kind of have the same interests as you. But at the same time, what helped me is having people that have completely different interests than me. So in my friend group, I have animal science people, but I also have someone who's in like polychemistry. Um, I also have someone who's a biomedical engineer, someone in bioprocessing. We're all women in STEM. That's where I came from uh, two 
years, wise women in science and engineering, if you know about them in Lee Hall. But um, just find people who are almost the same as you, but at the same time, there are enough differences that y'all are totally okay with hanging out, studying together, and having a good time. Yeah. Literally, so many questions popped up in my mind as I'm, like, processing all this information. Um, the prominent one, and it's the wildest question, is literally, like, do you guys, you guys eat meat, right? Yeah. yeah. I, love, I love meat steak. <laughs> yeah. Kill a steak. Because <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting here, like, you're like, I'm not too keen on animal production. I'm like, oh, wow. Or, like, all animal science people, like, just vegans. Nah, like, oh, nah. <laughs> Actually, most animal science people love meat, and that's yeah. why they go into it, just so that they can give the animal that will eventually end up on their plate a best life possible to make mm-hmm. it more tasty. Yeah. It's 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 a complicated and tricky thing and um, there's a good class on it. Campbell teaches it and it's a zoology class. It's called human and animal interactions. If you're curious on like discussing the philosophy of why we do what we do or like what makes us higher than an animal like what separates that if there is a separation to you and that class is like open to anyone so don't think you have to be in like animal science or zoology but um for me personally because I mean I also come from two families that are from two different countries and like one of them really likes goat meat and I've had goat meat and it's really good and I've had other weird things yeah like (laughs) ostrich and like all these things but um for me personally it's you have to remember at the end of the day what you're working on what you're striving on and you have to remember that like you can't set personal feelings you can't anthropomorphize oof how do you say that word? Anthropomorphize. Thank you. I was like, I'm missing something. <laughs> I'm missing a chunk of that word. But you can't give that hu- that animal human feelings and like you can't treat them as another human. You have to be able to, especially in this job, oh, cut off some of your emotions. I'm not yeah. saying become completely numb. For example, if like, I'll bring up something really sad, but like if you have to euthanize an animal, you have to be okay with doing that. Or if you have to like draw blood or something, something gory, something that makes you uncomfortable, you have to be okay with that. And that's just, I think for any person in the medicine field, like period. Like in general. Yeah. yeah. But like you have to be able to set your yourself, your mind away from what you're doing. And you have to remember the purpose of why you're doing it for. Like you're not, um, an evil mad scientist or something. You just have to remember, this is my job. This is why I'm doing it. And I'm doing it for what I believe is the greater good. Or if you know, you have a team of vets and y'all have discussed what y'all think is the best process, you get it done. And at the same time, if you have someone who's crying because you know they've lost their their family member, our pets are our family members, yeah. you still have to show emotion and you still have to empathize and sympathize with them because that could be you. You have to take that perspective into account as well. Yeah. Just maintaining that professionalism, Mm -hmm. I feel like, is what she's trying to, in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. And so um, you had talked about um, how, like you were saying, like 50% of basically that class just kind of like they couldn't. Yeah. They couldn't take it. They dropped. Yeah. Yeah, Um, Like, did you guys ever come to a point, whether it was during that class or just in general throughout throughout this career, undergraduate, maybe some point in graduate, um, where it was just like, I don't know if I can do this. And how did you overcome that? I'll let you go. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, um, so for me, my, I don't want to say like, it's because it's not a breaking point if I'm still here, but, um, 
sophomore year, I got a concussion in the spring by playing my favorite sport, soccer, and I felt like I was hey. betrayed by my sport. But it was it was this dude, and he just like ran into me, and he like knocked me clean like I rolled and they were like oh my gosh are you okay and I thought I was okay and then the next day like the concussion hit and like I had to like hang out for a second in my bedroom because I couldn't do anything and it was really scary because like I played soccer my entire career and like that has never happened and my parents were freaked out because I'm 16 hours away so they're like I don't even know what to do and I was like guys I'm just gonna figure it out but what sucked for me is that spring semester, sophomore year, mm-hmm. I had organic, I had um, reproduction, I had nutrition, and then I had another class. And when you're out of your mind, like it's really hard to pick yourself up, especially since when I got my concussion, it was around like test two and test three. So I had I had to take some L's and like, my professors were worried for me because they were like, take your time, whatever. But in my mind, I was like, no, I can't like I can't push this off because I have a deadline for myself. I want to get these grades. I want to do well. I want to be a vet like the desire to basically be the best that I could be was so strong that I started not taking care of myself. And um that at that point, like I remember in my orga class, even though I had the excuse papers, the papers from the healthcare center that said like she can stay out as long as she needs to. I still went to class because I was so afraid to like miss those classes and then have to make them up and do that homework that Sandberg gives you and like all this stuff. And I remember my like inner breaking point was when the prof- uh, not the professor the TA I think his name his nickname is like Shadow or something if he's still here but he was trying to teach me SN2 and my mind could not click mm, and he that. sat there teaching me that like 20 minutes and finally I had to tell him I was like I'm so sorry like I had a concussion like and he's like okay that makes sense why you're not getting it since you know he's been up there for 20 minutes but like after that class I was so sad because I was like oh my gosh like is this semester going to be the semester where I'm like dropping things like what am I going to do you know you start you start overthinking things overanalyzing and um Thank God I had my parents, my advisor, and my friends. They were like, no, no, no. Because number one, a concussion, you don't just like instantly you don't like, get fine. Yeah, it's 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 not even like a straight linear line. Like there are curves and jig jags and like drops. And so there are days where like maybe I'll relapse for a second. And I mean, that hasn't happened in like a really long time. But thank God for my parents and my support system, something you should definitely have in this competition and in this field. Um, they were like, no, 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 this is just one obstacle and one challenge uh, that has been given to you or happened and you just got to pick yourself up because if this is what breaks you, then you're not going to be ready for the rest of the world. And so from then I was like, okay, that was one bad semester. Let's, let's get back into it. My brain might not be a hundred percent, but we're going to figure out a way to fix it. And that's what I did. That's real. I don't even think I can top that, honestly, because, I mean, I've just been blessed to not have to, like, I I would say, personally, I had a pretty smooth undergraduate collegiate career. Which is amazing. Like, those experiences are validated, too. Like, we get on this podcast a lot, and there are a lot of, like, struggle stories, which are, like, super, you know, good to know you've overcome adversities, but... 
if you've had a smooth ride, that is yeah. honestly yeah. awesome. I, like, it was definitely times in there that it was challenging. Like, um, I'm, like I said, I'm in a frat, that's all I'm going to say about that. But, I mean, like, my, other than that, like, my collegiate career was smooth. Like, the biggest thing for me that pushed myself, of course, the classes was tough. It was time periods. I was working 30-hour weeks on top of having, like, 18 credits. So it was crazy. Waking up, going to sleep 2, 3 in the morning, waking up at 6, you know what I'm saying, every day. And it's just, if that's what you got to do, you got to get it done. But, you know what I'm saying, it'll be better days. But for me, I just told myself, like, yo, I'm that that end. Like, yo, like, <laughs> like, I'm the man. I'm listen, the man. I'm the if man. I'm not going to get it, I'm shutting the whole show down. Like, I'm, yes. I'm just being like, no, know, I feel but, that. But, like, yeah, I just had to tell myself, like, yo, I'm that dude. First of all, I'm from the west side of Charlotte. Nobody from that side of town really from my high school went to college anyway. Probably, like, mm-hmm. 10 of us out of, like, a class of, like, two, 300. And so, like, nobody went to, like, NC State, not trying to – most of them went to, like, local community colleges, not trying to downplay that everybody has their own story, but nobody went to a four-year university. So I was like, yo, I came all the way here from the west side of Charlotte. Mm-hmm. God didn't bring me here for no reason, mm-hmm. and he yeah. didn't bring me this far. Some, like, the pastor always say, God doesn't bring you this far just to let you down or yeah. to fail you. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yo, I'm, I'm good. Like, I just got to go through the motions, get these grades, work hard, and everything's going to work out. Yeah, no, I get that, because it's almost like, and I say this all the time, because I'm also from, like, a pretty small town where it's just like, um, these people will go to like the like the community colleges in the area. They'll go yeah. to like Wingate. They'll go to SPCC, something yeah. like that. And it's like, it's more than anyone would expect from someone from this town. Yeah. So it's like I get what you're saying. It's just like I'm here. I'm gonna make the most out of it. Like exactly. I'm gonna be something. Yeah, exactly. And on top of that. I got all these loans. I'm gonna need a job to pay it off. So. That part. That I don't part. Even speak on that. Part. <laughs> I don't even want to look. Um, because you guys touched on like a lot of hardships that were going on. Um, I'm assuming you guys were in trio when like yeah. that. Like a lot of your problems, like the 30 hour work weeks and the concussion, you yeah. were all in like trio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you came across those adversities, and um, I know my freshman year, I wasn't in trio, but I was that student that was working 35, 40 hour work yeah. weeks while trying to, like, also be in, like, this 18-credit hours, 17-credit hours. Mm-hmm. Like, one semester, I even went as high up as 20. Like, I got permission to be like, oh, yo, I can do 20-credit hours. Mm-hmm. I just kind of wanted to delve more into um, how your background and, like, how you representing kind of, like, like repping basically where a lot of us have come from mm-hmm. at a campus like NC State yeah. has like affected your journey. So basically during those times, how Trio helped me, I guess, or? Yeah, how has Trio helped you? But also how did you like, because there was something I discussed with like a panel of women not too mm-hmm. long ago. We mm-hmm. recorded an episode where we were talking about when did you know you were different? Okay. When did you know? Ooh. Oh, yeah. oh, shit. Day one, class one, uh, the first day <laughs> I walked in and I was, yeah, ANS 150, had Dr. Flowers Intro to Animal Science. And I was the, I'm not going to say the only black person because I had another friend in there and he was also a black male. He also wanted to be a veterinarian. But like Kiana said, like 50% of the people don't make it. And he just like 360 completely changed like what profession he wanted to go into. But we were the only two out of that entire lecture hall, there were African-Americans. And that is probably like a hundred, over a hundred people that can fit in that classroom. Mm-hmm. And like throughout that whole day, like luckily me and him, we both animal science. I don't know if they made our schedule like that on purpose. So we could kind of like, 
I guess, have classes together, but we had the same class. But we were the only two black people in all of our classes. And it was just like, wow. Like, everybody else had, like, little friend groups, people to, like, study with. Like, we had none of that. It was just, like, us two, like, versus the world, kind of. But that's it was good. That, <laughs> it was good that Trio came into play because he didn't join Trio. I did join Trio. But, like, it was good because it was people in upper classes that already took the classes I had that were also, like, wanting to go into the veterinary profession. So I kind of still had that outlet if I needed somebody to study with or, like, a tutor. But, like, just straight up in class, it was like, because uh, I came from an all-black high school. Like, it was rare to see somebody that wasn't African-American. And so then to, like, come here and it's the exact opposite, I was just like, whoa. And then I sit in the front anyway because my attention span is like a gnat. So it's like... <laughs> Not a nap. Not a nap. Yeah. It's horrible. So it's just like, yeah. But do you want to? Oh, yeah. Okay. So my experience is actually almost the complete opposite. So all I said is I'm from Texas, but I actually came from a private school um, in Texas. Basically, my parents were like, she needs to go to a better school because the schools around my suburb area weren't so great. Um, I guess in terms of like graduation rates or something. But so I went to this private school and I started their middle school and it uh, has its own like chain. So it goes from middle school to high school, Hyde Park um, Baptist. And it was it was there that like, yes, I knew that I was different, but it was at the point where it I kind of felt numb to it. Like, I I don't want to say like I lost my blackness or something, but like (laughs) I just like kind of forgot that I was different and um, some people would say it's good in terms of like not seeing color or whatever, quote unquote, to assimilate. But at the same time, you need to know like where you come from. And my dad actually was the one that was like, unfortunately, in this world to this day, you need to do better than your peers just to do the same, just oh, to have the, you know what I'm talking about? Just like yeah, have the it. same privilege. Yeah. So I, my my parents basically like worked me and I became varsity captain for my soccer team. I was national um, honor society president. I was on the student council. I was co-student director of the theater. I was, I was that, I don't know if you can, yeah. I was that <laughs> woman. Yeah. <laughs> I was that woman that made sure she was in anything that she possibly could or could like make a change. And like, I think that woke up a lot of people cause they were like, Oh, like she's just not one of the five. Cause they were literally, I think on my hands, like seven of us minorities period in my private school. So I had to at least be different and also at the same time develop a thick skin because living in the deep South, there are comments that people will say and you just have to like push them away. So I guess going on, moving from high school to college, um, when I came here, it was actually the opposite because I'm so used to seeing so many like different. Okay, let's just say I saw the majority more than the minority. So when I came here and I saw all this diversity, I was kind of like, man, like, what do I do? What do I join? Start questioning my blackness. I was like, (laughs) I was like, am I black enough to do some things? And then also on top of that, I'm not just like African-American. I'm also a Latina. So I barely have like delved into that. Like I know my Spanish, but I was like, man, like, 
can I join them? Like, am I good enough to be anything? So I had to like soul search for a while, you know, whatever. But I did me. And it came to a point where I was like, you know what? I need to join a place that not necessarily like a fraternity or whatever, but like I wanted to join a family, but at the same time still like keep my independence, still do me. Yeah. And that was what Trio was. It was a family for me of different people who all came from their own backgrounds like myself. And we all have a good time. We still do. And we just get our stuff done. Like it's great to see alums and see like what they have accomplished. And one day thinking like, man, that's going to be like me. I'm going to be one of those alums that you know did what they had to do to get where they needed to go that is literally i will literally listen because we did when this podcast first started there were the episodes we did with so many alum and i'm just like man i'm gonna be there one day Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so it's like i feel you on that um i also kind of grew up in literally i think a mixture of these two stories basically Mm -hmm. i grew up in a predominantly like very much white rural suburban cul-de-sac kind of situation had my world really rocked during the recession. Really <laughs> <laughs> rocked. <laughs> and so That's like a funny, funny bird. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like it. We need to make that a thing. Yeah, Continue. that's a bird now. Yeah. Um, and so we moved to um basically this area that's, you know, predominantly black. Yeah. Um, so for like the first, I wanna say 13, 14 years of my life, I thought I was white. Learned I wasn't. <laughs> yeah, it comes. It and, comes. And then got to NC State and was like, oh, wow, we're back at this again. Mm-hmm. But at this time, like, I very much know what I am at this point. Yeah. Um. So that was hard dealing with that, especially since I didn't have Trio in my back pocket those first couple mm-hmm. of years. Um, but I always love hearing the stories of people who have had Trio, like, since the get-go. Because it's like, man... Y'all had it. Y'all had the resource, basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And true is no joke, but just let me let me shout out NC State for just a second. Like, if you're here and you should know there are so many resources, so many different ethnicities here. There's so many different views here. There's diversity in thought. There's diversity in just everything and you should really take advantage of that here at state we have so many great things uh one of them's pan af week another one's diversity week everyone has a month here um if you're ever just wondering what it's like to be in someone else's shoes you should really ask some people around or even go to these events and maybe just get a taste of some culture go to the international festival something and i think that's amazing uh what state does and how much they promote diversity at most levels um of course if you need something or you want to see something you do have to go find it this is a college we don't spoon feed you here but at the same time if you really desire to go see something go get some culture you can go do that and you're pretty much accepted like i take my friends who are not black to pan af week and they're like oh my god like this is what step (laughs) is and you know yeah they did it was nicole and elizabeth and they loved it yes we were cheering y'all did you hear us (laughs) okay good because i really tried to yell um but yeah oh my god i feel like every year someone's like we got robbed but i will say i wanted the middle schoolers to like win overall because they were good i basically what happened is 
the middle schoolers came and we thought, oh, it's just gonna be like a one, two, whatever. Yeah, and yeah. they pulled out some Mortal Kombat stuff. Oh, people were yeah, jumping blamed. on each other. And they blamed them. Uh, yeah, they, and like, like they was. We, they were, yeah, there was this one girl that I wanted to adopt. She was a ginger. She had her long, she killed it. She knew the culture more than I did. And I was just like, girl. She knew she was blank because she had a little attitude. Yeah, she, she gave the sass. She had that grit. She had everything. And I was, I was standing up and I was like, yes, all these children. Yes. But that's like the amazing thing. She's an example. Bless her. I have no idea what her name is, but hopefully you come to stay. Like, shout out to you, girl. We'll see you in like six this years. Is, yeah. I might still be Nah, here. even less. <laughs> but like, this is a great place to get some culture and people are pretty accepting here of what you want to find out and people are pretty open about their religions and whatnot. So if you want to find out something, just go ahead and seek. Let's talk about resources for a little bit more now that you like brought it up. Like, <laughs> just like talking about, um, you've already discussed like some of the ones that you've like experienced, some of the ones that you've been um, introduced to friends um, but like what resources like out of the like literally some out of the blue wild resources that like you didn't even know existed before and then you found them and then like that you think like wow this like, could be like useful like people or yeah. oh, honestly people groups you know. like Dr. Trevetti facts <laughs> she was the reason I got to go to South Africa which was wild mm-hmm. Dr. Kennedy I met him my freshman year and don't even offer that class anymore. It was like USD 110, and it was like a transition class. Do they still have that, like the transition classes from high school to college? Um, yeah, I think so. It's like for, I think they're usually for scholars is the thing. Yeah, this was only for like minorities though, but like it was oh, like a transition. Yeah, Dr. No. Candy came and talked to us, and I emailed him like my sophomore year when I realized I needed some experience. I was like, hey, um, I don't remember me, but you came and talked to my class, and you mm-hmm. told me to email you if I ever wanted to like come ride along with you for your mobile practice, mm-hmm. and I want to ride along, so here I am. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like those two resources right there, honestly, probably two of the most pivotal. Like, and why I'm here today. And in addition, um, I'll probably say, uh, I forgot what it's called now. It's like Pack Assist or something like that. Where you can apply. Yeah, Yeah, like I apply. I found like the one of the hospitals I worked at where I got a lot of exotic experience, they were on Pack Assist and I applied through that. And like, I didn't even use it. Most of my engineer friends use it, but it's like, yo, look on Pack Assist. And I just so happened to look on there and boom. Yeah. Um, so definitely, of course, Dr. T, she got that hookup on literally everyone. Um, animal science wise, Dr. Pickworth, Dr. Poole, they're pretty amazing. One resource I think is super underutilized in terms of like research or just figuring out like what professors are up to is just the faculty directory. You just search their name and like under each professor, you know, their little picture and whatnot, it'll say what they're interested in. And if you click on that link, you can see like more about their research and whatnot. Cause people are always like, oh, like, do I have to go to these uh, STEAM expos or like research um, events to find people? Not really, you can find them from the comfort of your bed and Snuggie and you just sit there and you say, okay, I really wanna do beef cattle. Like my first um, 
research gig was with Dr. Keena Mullen, which is at the CVM, and she works on mastitis, which is basically, like, utter inflammation. And I just emailed her, and I was like, hey, like, I saw your research, and I'd really like to work with you. Is there any way I can meet you? Is there any, like, way that you're doing anything, and can I volunteer? And they love when people actually reach out to them and want to meet them and see what they're in because— most of the professors here are here because, like, the land grants and the opportunities they get with their research. And they love volunteers, especially undergrads. And she was like, sure, like, let's do this. And I worked with her for a while. And then Dr. Pickworth had her own thing. But, yeah, so definitely um, don't wait for them to ask for volunteers. Just go ask them because they're going to take that into account that you took initiative. Um let me think. Some other resources that I really like. Well, other than TRIO, I am a study abroad ambassador, and I like being a resource to other people and teaching them about study abroad. And I guess let me talk about that for a second. Studying abroad, um, a lot of people think, especially minorities and just people with like financial problems or just hardships, don't think that they can study abroad. And I just want to say that there are so many scholarships and so many different ways that you can study abroad. And it doesn't matter who you are or where you come from. You can find a way to study abroad. Yes, it'll take some work on your end, like going to the study abroad fair or like asking a professor who's leading the trip, doing the application, paying that application fee, because sometimes it's not a joke. But there are ways to study abroad. And I think studying abroad is a great way to diversify yourself from other people or, you know, the competition, unfortunately. Um, and at State, we have plenty of programs for people, not just like animal science, obviously, and not just uh, uh, chass or like engineers or whatnot. We have so many different places, like the healthcare one, I think a big one is in Belize, but we have so many different things for so many different majors. You can take classes anywhere and everywhere. And it's just great that we have this huge resource to learn about other cultures. But at the same time, you're still getting your classes done. So you don't have to go to Italy just to take, I think it's called Vidology. Whatever the study of wine is, it's a funky word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you don't have to just go to Italy to take, like, some classes for your GP. You can, you can take some hard classes and get it done still. And honestly, there needs to be more representation of color in many different fields, especially the STEM field. Yeah, like, definitely. I'm pretty sure Dr. Kennedy was the first black person I've seen as a vet or like somewhere high up like that. Definitely. Like, all the vets that I shadow, sure, some of them are women, like power to the women, you know. But yeah. like, I've never seen before him, unfortunately, which is really sad, a black I haven't seen any black vet. females, period. Though. You haven't seen a black female? I haven't seen any I think I've only females. seen one. Oh, wow. But, yeah, so, and I mean, even if you, like, just go, if you can, to a vet score, just, like, Google their thing and look at, like, the percentage of yeah. minorities that actually apply. For us, there's a huge, huge leap. There's a huge action for us to be out there and to go back to our places and show other people, you can be me, you can do what you want to do. You just have to work hard, of course. And I think that's super important that people like us go out and do these things because if we don't do it, who will? Yeah. Exactly. Just like be that driving force. Yeah. Um, because we were talking about how many fields there are out mm -hmm. there and how many like both of you have just kind of like explored during your time here, I mm -hmm. do want to like 
clarify that I know exactly what your fields are that you're going mm-hmm. into now. Yeah. So I'm like, I know you're in vet school, but I also know NC State is like a research university. Yeah. So you never know if like someone's going into like research-based stuff or like practice-based yeah. stuff. So I'm just kind of like wondering what exactly um, your like, okay. fields are. Yeah, I'm not doing nothing research-related. I did research. I did not <laughs> like it. I don't like things that like don't have discrete boundaries and research like your hours aren't set. Mm-hmm. Like what you do that day is dependent on where you are in your research. I didn't like that at all. Like I need to know, all right, come in this time, leave at that time. But at the same time, I'm somebody who I don't like to do the same thing every day. Mm-hmm. And so like that's why like for my field, I want to go into exotic animal medicine because like I worked at Avon and Exotics in Raleigh and I liked it because I can go in there one day to be like a baby kangaroo jumping around. <laughs> I can go in there one day to be like parrots flying through the practice or to be like they have a couple like miniature pigs or mm-hmm. somebody bringing squirrels, somebody's mm-hmm. bringing like 10 ferrets in and like some like suitcase <laughs> thing they suited out to yes, carry ferrets. Yes. Like I like, I, I want to be able to apply everything I learned in vet school once I get out. I don't want to just do fecal, like do fecal. I don't want to just do preventative medicine. I actually want to like use my brain to figure out these complex cases. And I feel like I will, I could get that experience the best working with exotic animals. And yes, there's a market for exotic animals, believe it or not. I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> not, totally to, not, it. To, not to not uh, to downplay research, though. Research mm. is super No, nah, research yeah, is yeah. super. No, 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 no. Research I just, and I, yeah. we will work hand in hand. Yeah. So for me, um, there's a few things that Kira talked about that I want to touch on. So I am fortunate enough that I have like traveled and seen some animals that I've wanted to work with before I studied abroad. And I think back then when I went to Masai Mara and I got to see like the elephants, you know, doing their thing. And I saw the like great migration and all that. Um, That's that so was freaking cool. Yeah. Like everyone should go see that. It's around like September is when it's the best. Um, as long as you're OK with, you know, seeing the uncut version of the Lion King, basically. But um, so that was when I realized that I just didn't want to do dogs or dogs and cats, not to like rat on them. But I was just like, you know, there's a lot that they have found out about these guys. But like, if you look at some of the information for like more than so just so many different species, we don't really have that much information on them. Like there might be a simple book that says like, oh, like if you have a lizard, give it this dose and hope it works out. But there's a lot that like we don't know about exotics. And that's what I love about that side. And that's what I picked, why I picked it, because there's so many challenges and I really like challenges and I like problem solving, but I just don't want to problem solve doing research. I want to actually be in there delving and trying to figure out why is this the way it is? Can I write something about it? And I guess that's um, something I want to touch on is my minor. Um So you don't have to get a minor, I should say, when you're in animal science or any other major. Um, It doesn't really differentiate to the uh, board, like, whether or not you'll get accepted and whatnot. But some people do, and I did, because I really like writing, and I like writing creatively. And um, what I use mine for, because creative writing falls under English, so we learn a lot of things um, from the English side and, like, journalism and stuff. Um, what I use it for and what I want to use it for is if I figure something out, 
I don't need a middleman. I can publish my own findings, my own research, I want to say, my own discovers, uh, discoveries, and, like, talk to different vets and be like, so what happened on your end when you tried this? Like, can we push something in the future that other people can use so that it's easier for them? So that's what I use my minor for, and that is how I put in wildlife to mix in with that minor. And then public health came from... Um, I want to say it was when I started volunteering like a while, a while ago in my high school. I just realized that like a lot of people don't have the resources that we have, obviously coming from first world country. But even more importantly, the ant or not more importantly, because humans are cool and all that. But like <laughs> animals, especially in other countries, have like very, very, very little um, resources that they do here. And that's why things like Vets Without Borders exist and um, other government organizations that I forget the names of, like One Health and all those guys. But I, it's, it's, it's really sad when an animal in another country dies of something that we have no problem fixing with like one to two days. We're over there, their resources and their finances aren't good enough to get that fixed. And it, I mean, the love for an animal is the same. You love your animal in your country. I love my animal in, the, in this country. It is the exact same. Everyone loves their animals. So one day I just want to be able to go to those countries and help them and give them resources or just try and figure out like, how can we teach these guys how to fish without just giving them the fish? If that makes sense, if anybody understands that analogy. But um, yeah, 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 it's like so. if you teach a man to fish, he'll eat for like mm -hmm, a thirty mm -hmm. whatever days. I know the one you're talking. Yeah, about. yeah. Okay, I was like, I don't know if anyone's got me, but yeah. hopefully, give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. Teach mm -hmm. a man how to fish, he'll eat forever. Something mm -hmm, like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that's, um, I guess. I, th I hope I answered your question. Yeah, you super okay. answered that question. Okay, okay. Um, that's super cool, man, because I was just like, listen, like, you actually saw, like, the elephants and, like, the Great Migration. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, did you guys, um, was that that study abroad trip that you went on? And was it South Africa that you saw that? Or was that a different trip? So, like Thailand or something. What? No. So, um, <laughs> so, okay, so I'm half Kenyan, so I go to Kenya sometimes. And oh, that's where the Great Migration okay. is, that area. But so we, why are you shaking You're your head? You're not there? no Kenyan. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, then. Oh, no shade. But um, so South Africa, let's talk about that trip. So that trip, and there are so many other ones for animal science people, don't think that you just have to get into the South Africa one because another great one is Ireland, especially if you're horse folk out there. Um, another good one is in Australia. There's one in New Zealand. And then the newest one, I believe, is in Namibia. Um, that one seems really cool, too. It's about the desert elephants and the leopards over there. But um, so our trip to South Africa, um, we did the uh, professor-led, not the semester. There's two different um, types of studying abroad here. Um, definitely know the difference. And so our length is shorter. We were about like two and a half weeks, which is a good time for what we did. Um, what we did was very extensive. We woke up at like sometimes 3, 4 a.m. and we didn't come back home till like, oh gosh, like 
five, six. And we were out there some days working with the vet, Bosi, Nina, and a bunch of other vets. And we worked on different things. We had one day where we worked on diseases and we dissected an impala. There were other days where we had to lift some animals through the thicket and lift them onto a truck like no other. <laughs> we went to Kruger National Park um, and we learned about their animals. We helped with rhino microchipping. There were days where we went to sanctuaries and learned why this sanctuary is good, what they could improve on, why it works here, what they're teaching the people. We got so many different hands-on opportunities. And at the same time, we also just learned about the culture and the food and like the love of South Africa. And it's definitely a place that people should definitely experience. And don't add in there, like we just have a good time and just have yeah. fun and study abroad. Like, yeah, like, I think a lot of people confuse that with like, yeah, it's gonna be hard because I'm going to another country that might not speak my language. It's a mm -hmm, lot of, mm -hmm. I would say study abroad is probably like 10% actual work and like 90% mm -hmm. actually getting immersed in the culture and the mm -hmm. lifestyle of the people that live there. Like, we have a few papers and stuff like that, but like overall, like you went there because you had to like, you want to learn how veterinary medicine is practiced in another country. You know what I'm saying? And you can't really attain that from reading a textbook, so. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah, when you get to feel something out yeah. for yourself, that is, like, one of the best ways to learn. And we got to do the medications. Like, yes. we got to do, like... Poking them pretty. Yeah, exactly. Like, they, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, those are, like, livestock species, so you don't have to be gentle with them, like... And then the people who were, like, like, we, like who was watching us, like, Dr. Chris Bosoff and Iki mm -hmm. and uh, Beth Alden, they were cool people, and, like, it's good because it shows that even though somebody's on a other side of the planet, like, end of the day, you know what I'm saying? I think we sometimes, like, place, like, boundaries on people based on, like, what country they are, mm -hmm, but everybody's, mm -hmm. like, it was dope because, for me, I had never been anywhere in the show, like, yo, these are just ordinary people. Like, they do the same stuff we do. They like to drink the same beer we like to drink <laughs> end of the day, like... Many times. Yeah. There are a lot of things that are just, like common language across the board yeah so. and exactly we just you know everyone's just got this common love for animals and exactly. that's what we came to do yeah exactly um but it's always fun when you get mistaken for a local and they start speaking bro, to they, you they, and bro, every time, bro people swore i was like their cousin i'm like bro yes. i'm from here bro like, <laughs> it was really funny but, yeah and like I'm not, I'm not it was it was so funny like we would just be sitting there or you'd be in the truck and Icky was right next to me, and the guys who were helping us lift this, like, wildebeest were with us. And the guy, the one guy turns to me and starts full-out speaking, like, no breaks, no nothing. And, like, <laughs> even if I know another language, like, that's completely different because the language yeah. they're speaking is mixed with, like, three of them. Yeah, exactly. And, it's not yeah. It's, like, English mixed with... German and Portuguese. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. it, was, it was really bad. But, like... So they would speak, and I would I would try and give them a signal with hands, like no abla, no, like I don't, yeah, I don't. And Icky that. was like, nah, 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 like she's not one of us. And they'd be like, oh, 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 like they get real confused. And I was like, I'm sorry, I'm not and South African. I feel trans that we only be knowing one language. Like they know like three, four mm -hmm. languages minimum, and we mm -hmm. only know you a little Spanish. Mean. Mm -hmm. I haven't been abroad, but I have so many friends that have gone abroad yeah. where they're just like, you learn how stupid Americans are. Yeah, it's you go across the sea and just yeah. find out how many languages people know. Yeah. 
especially in like the continent of Africa, they yeah. know so many languages. Oh yeah, because you've got your tribal language on top of that, and then there are like thirty-seven tribes within that one country, and you know you might all have the common language of like English or something, or like for example Swahili. But then you've got your tribes like the Tutsis, the Hulus, um. You got your Kikoyus, that's who I am. Like, everyone's got their own vibe, and, like, you just figure out how to talk to each other. You just get <laughs> you, you get what you need at the market, and you're good. And sometimes you just throw them all together. And yeah. Like, you know what I was saying. <laughs> and you're like, that's a language. <laughs> you think you'll um, work abroad here? Um, Not, like, as permanent employment, but I want to do, like, what we did in South Africa, like... You remember we went to the little town and we did the like animal clinic kind of the halo? Yeah, the halo. So like a vets was, without borders. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Vets without that's a doctor. Is that a thing? Vets yes, vets without borders. I know borders. they got doctors without borders, but I didn't know vets without yes, borders. Yes, vets without borders oh. is a real Oh well, yeah, well Y'all I'm he's go. a graduate of state too. <laughs> yeah, my, my my brain right now is on these finals we have coming up. Yeah. But Oh, most certainly. Yeah, it's it's about that time. Yeah, exactly. You guys doing all right with uh Everything with school so far? Yeah, I mean, we. I, I just got to fit. Like, honestly, my grades are better in vet school than they were in undergrad, strictly because of stuff I actually want to learn. That's like, facts. Yeah. True. You should talk about the difference between what school is, like, calendar-wise for you. Oh, yeah. Because most people don't know yeah. that. Oh, All yeah, because right. you were, like, finals. You're like, got one yeah. more week. Mm-hmm. I'm like, let me check my calendar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But not quite so, but... Uh, <laughs> So for me, first years, we get officially introduced into the veterinary profession during our white coat ceremony. So that's when, like, uh, we're presenting our white coat or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that was um, August 3rd or 4th this semester or this year. And that's, like, the first Saturday before you start classes. And so, like, my first day of classes was, like, August 8th or the 6th or something like that. It was the first week of August. And so I've been in class all the way excuse me, from the first week of August up until next week is my last week. Mm-hmm. And so that's honestly like, what, 12, 14 weeks of like mm-hmm. straight school. Mm-hmm. So at this point, I'm not going to lie, I'm kind of burnt out, like kind of rested, but just got to finish strong because I finish technically with the semester before Thanksgiving. And I like this setup better than undergrad because I get to enjoy my Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about studying for no finals over Thanksgiving mm-hmm. break. And I get to enjoy all my December all and winter December break. December before yeah. Christmas. And I still have to go to class, not to learn, but there's something called selectives. And those are like, remember like electives in um, high school? Mm-hmm, it was mm-hmm. like stuff you got to pick. So it's like, you can pick what selectives you want to take that will help um, like further immerse your knowledge in whatever field you want to, a veterinary medicine you want to explore. So if you want to do exotic animals, they have like um, rabbit anesthesia selectives mm-hmm. or like uh, fish selectives or like all these crazy type of selectives that you can pick from that will help further whatever like whatever field you want to go and help further your knowledge in that field. So it's actually pretty fun. It's not like you're sitting in class all day doing stuff. It's like this year I have psychomotor skills. And so that's teaching me how to learn all the surgery skills, like how to suture, mm-hmm. how to do like, cause next year, second year, I start surgery. So I'll have to do spades and neuters on cats and dogs. Mm-hmm. So I got lucky to get that selected cause I already know how to do most of that stuff when I start surgery next year. So yeah. And nice. we get to do a mock spade at the end of that. So we have like a dog that was probably euthanized or something. And then we get to like do a mock spay on that. Oh, so wow. 
Correct me if I'm wrong, because mm-hmm. this is what someone told me in um, that professional. Oh, that's a class y'all need to take, especially if you're trying to figure out if that school is for you or not. I think it's ANS 281, taught by Dr. T, professional yeah. development um, veterinary, a, some, something yeah, like that. I was a TA for yeah. that class. Um, definitely take that class because she educates you on what the VEMCAS is, which is basically like the Common App. And um, if this field is for you or not. But so there were some, you also get fourth year students that come in. And there was this one student that came in that basically told us what vet school is to him. So I want to make sure I got this right. The first year you learn what's normal. The second year you learn what's abnormal. I could say, yeah, you're taking pathology and all that stuff. And then the third year you learn um, how to treat it. And then the fourth year, you yeah. say, all right, let's do it. it. Yeah. 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 All right. Definitely. So basically, yeah. that's vet school yeah. in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. And that's really cool. Um, I'd also like to mention that some schools are slightly different on the way, like, they start clinicals or selectives. Of, like, there's so many schools around. I think there's only, like, 35, though, in this country, yeah. which is really sad. Yeah. That's how, like, thick this competition is. But um, definitely do your research when you're um, choosing your schools, figuring out, like, what they're big on, what's around them if you can't find, like, your specific thing, and um, just, like, how their calendar works out and what are their, like, special, unique things about them yeah. is definitely something. So I guess I'll touch on, like, the actual application Absolutely, process. Yes. Okay. Well, number one, it's hell. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so I guess let me let me trash. start from the beginning. So you think that you're gonna get this application done in the summer because you're like, oh, I got this. I yeah, got so exactly. much time. But ooh, 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 you need to start that honestly even earlier. And you can't touch your application till like May 11th. I want to say is when. Um, your VEMCAS opens, and then it closes depending on how the weather is hanging out in the country, but it usually closes around like mid-September. Um, ours uh, and his actually went back a week because of the, the hurricanes, hurricane. yep. and I just now feel like that's just going to be a reoccurring thing because, you know, Honestly. global warming is real. Yeah. Um, you also need to make sure that your school does not have a whole nother application or a supplemental because a lot of schools will have supplementals that you also have to pay money for mind you and then some schools like texas a&m because you know we're special will have a whole application that's completely different than vemcast like you don't even say on your vemcast that you're applying to texas a&m you just go to texas a&m's site their portal and you fill out that but so and just real quick, can you um, give like a quick like explanation of what a VEMCAST is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. So the VEMCAST is the Veterinary Medical, Medical College Appli- Application Service. Yeah. yeah. So it's like across. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All all veterinary colleges. Pretty much all the all of them, including the, the international. The yeah, they that's like their that's like the standard application. Like if you want to be like considered for vet school, you apply to that. And you pick what schools you want to go to, mm-hmm. and it will send your application instantly to that school. And so, like, basically, the VIMCAST is divided into four compartments. Mm-hmm. It's, like, your personal information. That's easy. Just put in social security number, phone number, address, <laughs> yeah. all that easy stuff. Are you a person? Yeah. Then you put in, you have, like, an academic section. It's been a year. And that's where you put in all your previous coursework. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of just pull up, like, your unofficial transcript. And then, like, another laptop that has an application, you just basically transfer those, mm-hmm. like, credits over. Like, you just type it in. But the hardest—and that was a pretty tedious process, too, honestly. Oh, yeah. Because, was... like, 
the the one. transfer the grade transfer is different. Like they don't count A pluses. It's A pluses on BIMCAS. Mm-hmm. So like your GPA might be higher what the school reports than what the VIMCAS says it is. They have an essay section. That's where you write all the essays and stuff like that. The essays weren't too bad. If you start them early, that's probably the most, te- like, that's what they look at heavily. So if you could knock those essays out in the summer, have them proofread, have somebody yeah, look at yeah. them, like, that's the hardest part. And then really just getting the letter recommendations because, like, you're dealing with somebody else on their time. Mm-hmm. So if you tell them early enough in advance you need it, like, you should be good, but... I would tell anybody, like, yo, as soon as that open start, that, like, yeah. I waited. I won't say I waited last minute because it got pushed back to almost November for us. And not like, submitted mine, like, August. But I would have preferred to have been done before the school year even started. Yeah. Um. Oof. So, yeah, I was the opposite. I, I'm never, never a procrastinator. But the summer was rough. I had, you know, jobs. I had things I had to do. <laughs> and I was also taking the GRE that time. So I was trying to study for that, do a few classes here and there. And then once I did the GRE, I was like, okay, now I'm going to start doing the VEMCAST. So I was a little late in that game. But um, I would definitely say, if I could, like, go back, you know, um, I would definitely do the GRE almost a year early. Um I, I would say that because if you do it around that time, you can figure out, like, luckily I didn't have to, but you can figure out if you need to retake it or not. Um, that's very important because they only give you, I think, about, like, 21 days or something in between that you can retake it. So you have to take that into consideration because when the VEMCAST uh, deadline passes, they don't accept anything, period. Like you might have a transcript that's still like wafting in. If it wasn't already like postmarked, processed, whatever, they're not going to take it. Everything has to be submitted by that deadline. But make sure you have your transcripts in. Make sure you have all your transcripts in. That is something I learned. Even that community college, dual credit, college, uh, uh, high school thing, make sure you have that one submitted from your little dinky, you know, community college. Um, Make sure you have your essays done. Make sure you have people who will read your essays. And the greatest people to read your essays are your friends, and then professors, luckily I had some professors in English that wanted to read them. Bless and yeah, and then I had some grammar Nazis who read them. So honestly, get three people to read them and each person should look for a different thing. And that's how you can honestly beef up your essays. Do not be afraid to get personal. Um, they will they read everything. So you might as well spill your entire guts out and let them know who you are because unfortunately some schools only look at that and don't do interviews. So if that is your only shot to that school, you need to give it your best shot. Um, other than that, I would say way in advance, way, way, like start this in high school. You need to start making a CV or some sort of list that says everything you have ever done that is related to animals, not related to a vet extracurriculars stuff that you like to do they look at everything the um third block is like extracurriculars or something like that that block you can literally put anything in there it doesn't even have to deal with animals it can be research it can be anything like i um work on rover and i put those 
dog sitting hours like no other because I have learned so much about animal behavior and people just working with them 24-7. But you have to make a list of what you've done because you do not want to get to that section and only have five things on there and then be like, what else have I done? And also, like, sure, your mom might be like, oh, you might have, you know, done blood at that one place, you know, helped out at that one community service thing. But you need to make an initiative to write down or have down on some sort of doc, file, whatever you need to, of what you have done. A resume is not enough. You need to have, honestly, at least over 10 things, or at least they have to be things that you have done for a long time and you stuck with them. So that's how you, you're racking up hours. Or if they're short things, make sure they were meaningful because everything counts on this. And then, of course, with uh, um, letters of rec, um, I think they allow six. Some people only that's allow outrageous. three. Yeah. Yeah. Some um, people like encourage like less because they have to read all that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But um, so I only did four. I did my advisor. Always do your advisor because I mean you've met with them unless like you don't like your advisor. But so you should do your advisor. You have to do two vets, and then I also did the director of women in science and engineering, and. You want to do people that unfortunately know people or are well known. You don't just want like that basketball coach from wherever. And sadly, because everyone's letter of recommendation is sometimes the same because, you know, your letter of recommendation is that person is a really great person. Yes, they should be in med school. You need to make sure that you tell them in your letter of rec what you want. So... What I did, because I don't want all my letters to sound the same, is I told each professor, I said, hey, like, on this letter, could you please speak about how we did this and this together? Or could you talk about these two qualities? Like, I gave each um, professor a quality that I wanted them to touch on. So one was work experience, one or work experience and research, one was leadership and, like, communication, and one was blase, blase. But um, make sure those letters are different from each other and they stand out. And of course, I mean, you can't read them because you have to get them sealed. And like that's a whole, you know, thing that you have to do. But make sure you just get your stuff done on time. And you should definitely have a friend that is also going through the same thing. So y'all can like be accountable for each other. So while Elizabeth was doing her thing in California, I was doing my thing in Texas and I set deadlines for us. I was like, all right, by this week, you need to have this section done or like most of this section done. Because if you don't set deadlines for yourself or like focus your time, manage your time, that time is going to slip away and then you're gonna be working on like the last week on all your essays. Like I had nine essays in total to do most of how many were there on the thing like four on the supplemental on the vimcast on the vimcast four but the supplemental had like six more yeah supplementals will have like their own things like uh a lot of them have the classic like why are you diverse kind of question yeah but um especially if you're applying to schools that aren't on the vimcast they will have their own uh, supplementals and they will have their own essays. And those essays were not the same as the Vemcast one. Sometimes, you know, a slight tweak here and there, it's the same essay, but you really need to make sure you know how much work you have and how much time you have to cover it. Definitely.
So, um, do you guys think there was anything else that you wanted to just like in general, like that you felt like you need to get out there? You know, sometimes for anybody out there listening, sometimes it may seem like um, whatever you're going through is too much, but just mm-hmm. know that, you know what I'm saying, there will be brighter days and that wherever you're trying to go, there's people that have been in situations similar to what you've been through so that, you know what I'm saying, there's light at the end of the tunnel as long as you keep persevering and you don't give up. Self-care, self-care. Oh, yeah, make sure, like, <laughs> I had three exams last week. This whole Monday, Tuesday, and since we're getting out a little late today, I'll, this might as well be my self-care day number three, honestly. <laughs> oh, God. I'm about to go home and watch some anime. My last remark, I guess, would be build your network of friends, of family, of whoever you can find, and stick to them. If you need to cut some toxic people out of your life, just go ahead and do that because in the end, everything happens for a reason, and in the end, you you got to support yourself, and you got to figure out who supports you the way you need it. So I think that's what I'd like to leave it off as, as find your network, find your niche, find your people at state or wherever you are, and y'all work on what you need to do and get everything done. Awesome, awesome. Um, I guess last question real quick. 10 years from now, you see yourself, you're all set up, life is good, what are you doing? Like, what do you see yourself you're doing? <laughs> 10 years. <laughs> that would be 2020. I would be 33. I would have finished school successfully. Be By that age, that means I graduate in 2022. That would have been 2028. I would probably just be getting ready to open my own practice. I want to work for about five years under my belt, private practice before opening my own practice, five, six years, starting my own practice, married, probably by the age, two kids, hopefully (laughs) one boy, one girl, hopefully the son first. Oh, yeah. Wow. (laughs) Yep. You know what I'm saying? Division one one athlete. (laughs) I have a French bulldog puppy. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah. French Bulldog. Oh, Frenchie? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Gimli. No, yeah, you got a lot of <laughs> Oh, gosh. All right, If Kim. anybody out there want to wanna give me a Frenchie, I'll say But, yeah, what about you, Kim? Ooh, ooh, well, 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 well. That's that's a long time. I go day by day right now. That's my kind of schedule. But I mean, I, guess, I feel you, though. Yeah, I guess I would like to not be in a practice. I would like to be out there traveling, helping different communities, talking to them about resources, how they can um, help their animals out. And I would like to be working more on the conservation side maybe, Um, especially since, you know, we got rhinos out here dropping like flies. I would like to help preserve the earth a little more as long as we can live on it. So we don't look you know, so we don't end up like Wally. Um, (laughs) I knew you were going to do the voice. (laughs) And then I'd also uh, like to be publishing things, whether it be like, you know, some fantasy and you see it on the silver screen and I'm making like money that way on the side. But I would like to just have my voice out there and um, just kind of be a universal author and just express my love for what I've seen and what I'd like to see um, the world go towards and progression. 
And I mean, I don't know about all that kid stuff, but I'm here for a good time, not a long time. I mean, you know, I have a few dogs on the side. Um, I want some dogs. Let me correct that. I want some dogs. Maybe just a man on the side, you know. <laughs> to me, it's like whatever makes you happy, you do you. So that's yeah. where I'm at. Um, well, you guys have been like super amazing guests. Appreciate Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. We finally made it happen. Here we are. It's been a long time coming. <laughs> We're here. Um, so thank you so much. TRIO Student Support Services Program and Student Support Services STEM are federally funded college retention and completion programs. These programs focus on academic, personal, and career support for under-resourced undergraduate students. At TRIO SSS and SSS STEM, our goal is helping our students reach their goals. We are currently accepting new students to our program. Apply today. Go to www.ncsu.edu to learn more about student support services at NC State.